0: Praise the Lord. All right. It's good to be with you. Go to Romans 11. Let's just go. Look at your neighbor and say, let's go. Don't need to waste any time. Let's just go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It's amazing what's happening in this season. I'm really encouraged. I'm really encouraged about revival that's happening in universities, colleges, high schools, middle schools, some of it's being reported. Most of it's not. I said most of it's not because it's not good news. I mean, it's good news, but it's not good for the news people. It doesn't doesn't produce fear. It doesn't produce chaos. It doesn't produce all of the things that. Are needed for ratings. So the revival that you're seeing on the surface is kind of like an iceberg. Underneath there's far more than what you see. It's not just a few college students getting together on campuses and having some emotional experiences. This is old-school revival. God's bringing back some old things. And I'm glad he is. I mean, I like the new stuff. Don't get me wrong. I like some of the new things that have been emerging in Christianity. But God's bringing some good old-fashioned old stuff back. Just getting in a building without music and praying and crying out to the Lord. We don't, we don't, this is great. I love musicians. I love music. I love worship. I love worship leaders. Again, I love all of the modern stuff, but we shouldn't be dependent upon others to lead us into the throne room. Like Jesus left a bread trail. He said, you will know the place where I am going. And it's he it wasn't just talking about Heaven. And how you'll get there one day. He says, I am going to send the Holy Spirit and you can come there today to where I am seated into my presence. And I think it's time that we get back to some old school revival principles. You can have revival in your house. Sitting at your coffee table, sitting at your dining room table with your children, just crying out to the Lord. Hey, and if you don't know what to do, just grab everybody's hand and say, come Holy Spirit. And you might be blown away by what happens next. So I'm encouraged. I'm really encouraged. I'm encouraged. I think we're in a season of opportunity, but I don't think it's going to be a long lasting season of opportunity. They're usually not. They're called Kairos moments. And if you break that word down, it's not just a window of opportunity, it's an open and shutting window of opportunity. Like there's been petitioning, there's been prayers. You're in a prayer movement that happens, that, that, you're in a prayer movement that is manifesting in a baptistry. It's not a baptistry movement that is producing prayer, it's the prayer that is producing the manifestation that you're seeing in the baptistry. Like without the prayer, this doesn't happen. So we're, we're, we're seeing because of prayer, wells are being uncovered, things are happening in the spirit realm. And I think as, as God descends upon people, He's looking for people to ascend. It's a perfect storm like situation. And I'm encouraged. I'm really encouraged, I think the spiritual conditions are primed for breakthrough, unlike we've ever seen before. But with that said, I think that there's still some things lacking in the body of Christ that if not resolved, will just result in another, I call it a, a sparkler revival. You remember the sparklers, fireworks, you know what I'm talking about, little sparklers? You light it and it's bright and it's pretty for about 10 seconds. And then you're left holding a hot metal stick. (laughs) Remember as a kid, you get so... "Ah, ah." My fear is that if we do not respond correctly to this move of God, we're just going to have another sparkler. God doesn't want sparkler revivals. He doesn't want just short stints or sprints. He's looking for a people who will continue and persist with him. It's always been his desire to take every movement from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. glory. Whenever there is a group of people that want to host him and make necessary decisions to do so, he desires to come and increase his activity, to increase his power, to increase his presence. To, he, he desires to take people from mountaintop to mountaintop. I think, I think we're just scratching the surface. I think some of the things that we're talking about that we get really excited about, like some of the testimonies, like they're going to become so normative that it'll actually, it'll actually be odd if we have a meeting and something like that doesn't happen. Right now it's abnormal if we get together and we have one of those and we praise God for it. Now we praise him for every miracle. I don't care if it's a hangnail. But I think what's currently abnormal is going to become normal. And at some point in world history, and I know this is going to happen because I've read the book. I've read read the end. Spoiler alert. At some point in human history, there's going to be a generation of believers that rises up and takes seriously the invitation of God. The invitation of Jesus to finish the Great Commission and usher in his final coming. It's going to happen. And so I say this, why not us and why not now? Why not? Wouldn't you like, wouldn't you like to not die on earth and just to be whoop, taken up with him? Wouldn't you like to be of the people in heaven that walk around and say, yeah, we were, we were that group that didn't die? You know? We got to see him breach the eastern sky. I was standing there when I saw... When I saw the atmosphere split, and I saw him descend on a white horse, I saw it with my eyes. I was there. And I grabbed my kids, and we ran out into the yard. And we pointed and said, there he comes, our king. Don't you want to see it? Me too. I think a couple of things are necessary in order for us to go to the next level. And I believe there's something that God is gonna gift his church with in this season. He's gifted his church with lots of things right now, but I think one of the things that he's gonna gift his church with right now that are gonna make the fires of revival burn even hotter According to scriptures, this component is, it's the key to friendship and intimacy with God. It is the key to increase in the kingdom. It is the key to sustainability, consistency, strength and increase. And this thing is referenced many times in scripture but often we buzz over it and we don't really pay attention to what it means. But it's called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. What role does the fear of the Lord play in the life of a Christian? What role does the fear of the Lord play in the move of the Spirit? What role does the fear of the Lord play in revival? What does the fear of the Lord look like? What is a healthy fear of the Lord? In Romans chapter 11 In verse 25, Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant of the mysteries of God, because if you do, you will become proud. You will become proud. Three times in Romans, Paul warns the Gentiles not to become proud. Pride always comes before a fall. And God doesn't want us to fall, He wants us to ascend. But it's pride that often halts, stops, and even prevents one from knowing and loving the Lord. Pride is not just thinking too highly of self. I want you to hear this. Pride is also not thinking highly enough of God. And this is what he's talking about. We have two problems in our culture, two problems in our society. We think too much about ourselves, and we don't think enough about God. And he says, this is a problem. This is going to cost you. This is going to cost your family. This is going to cost the church. This is going to cost the kingdom. So you don't need to be unaware of the mysteries of God. And one of the mysteries of God that he's going to articulate is the fear of the Lord. He says, this is a mystery. We don't even know what to do with this because the scriptures tell us 365 times, fear not. But equally, the scriptures tell us, fear God. Which is it? Fear not or fear God? And Jesus would say, yes, Yes, so Paul says, all right, listen, we've got this pride thing, this proud thing, this haughty thing that is trying to undermine your faith. It seeks to take you down. Pride, being focused on self, not being focused enough on God sets you up for failure in this life and the life to come. And he's telling them that the, the, the salvation that's being offered to you, he's talking to the Gentiles here, he says the salvation that's being offered to you is a gift. This is a precious gift. Because God's people rejected him, he opened up heaven to the rest of the world. And as a Gentile, which most of us are, you should, he's saying you should thank God that he grafted you in. You to thank God every single day that he said, I'm going to take this outside of my people. I'm going to take this outside of Israel. We are non-deserving from the outside looking in and God in his mercy grafted us into his family by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God has extended his hand to you and he has saved you. This is the kindness of God. This is the goodness of God. And we could preach on the kindness and the goodness from now until he returns. He is good, he is kind, he is merciful, he is wonderful. He is worthy of our praise because of all that he's done. If you just started right now and began to thank him for the things that he's done in your life, you could feel weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of prayer time. He's so good. And now because of his goodness, you have been given a life An extra life. Do you know that? You've been given an extra life. Some say cats have nine lives. That's of the devil. They shouldn't have that many. They're not going to be in heaven. Horrible creatures. Just terrible. I know. Don't email me. But you have been given an extra life. By the goodness of God. And now, it's a life that should reflect gratitude. It's a life that should reflect your allegiance to the one who has saved you. But there is a there is an evil spirit that seeks to steal from you the gift that God has given you. This is what Paul is saying. We're going to read it in a minute, and listen, this is not just in Romans. This is throughout the Scriptures. Jesus talks about those who have fallen away. In the end times, there will be many who fall away. Hebrews 4 and 5 talks about those who had and then fell away. Paul's going to talk about the gift that those received, and then they fell away. They fell away. Pastor, are you saying that my salvation can be taken from me? No but you can choose to give it back. Mark 13:13 13, 13, Jesus himself says those who endure to the end will be saved. Not those who make a good start and then quit. Not those who said a prayer at eight years old and then never looked upon Jesus again. Not those who go to church on Sunday and lift a hand but don't acknowledge Jesus the rest of the week. There will be many on that day who say, Lord, Lord, did we not? And he'll say, depart from me. I don't even know who you are. It's terrifying. Terrifying. Those who continue to live in sin will take no part of the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about this great falling away. Once saved, always saved. In that context, is heresy and demonic. It's demonic. If I were the devil, I would want a large group of people to think that they had something that they didn't. Jesus said, You won't know them by their church attendance. He said, You will know them by their fruit. So, how can we be a people that not just stay engaged with the Lord, but go from glory to glory to glory? Well, yes, acknowledging His kindness brings me in, acknowledging His severity keeps me in. This is what Paul says. He says, you have to acknowledge at some point in your life that there is a spirit that is trying to undermine you, that's trying to trip you up, that's trying to steal from you, that's trying to take from you. And when the temptation to sin comes, when the temptation to to back away from God, when the temptation to stop praying, when the temptation to stop coming to church, when the temptation to take your foot off the throttle, when the temptation to listen to your friend that says, you're going a little too far, when that temptation comes, it's not the kindness of God that's going to keep you faithful, it's the severity of God that's going to keep you faithful. It's acknowledging that you are going to stand before an almighty, holy, omnipotent creator of heaven and earth who gave you the very life that you had. He says, it's this fear of God that you have to have ingrained in your foundation. Everyone who came into his presence fell to the ground trembling in fear. Isaiah, woe is you, and woe is you, and woe is you, and woe is you. And he was prophesying, this was of the God, woe is them, woe is this group of people, woe is this group of people. And then he saw the Lord and he said, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips. When's the last time you were so in the presence of God that you were overtly aware of your sin and your lack? It's happened to me two times. Two times I've been in a space and the fear of the Lord hit the building and I wanted to get under a chair. Scared me to death it's just a reminder that he is not Santa Claus. He is not a spiritual ATM that I come to every morning just to make withdrawals. He is God. It's God. So Romans chapter 11, verse 20 says, Because of unbelief they were broken off, he's speaking of the Jews, and you stand by faith, do not be haughty. Some translations say do not become proud, but fear God. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Therefore consider the goodness and the severity of God. On those who fell, severity. But toward you, goodness if, everybody say if if you continue in his goodness. Do you see that? If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you too will be cut off. The kindness of God, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Kindness leads us Into his throne, into his lap, holy fear, awe, reverence, keeps us there. Fear, according to scriptures, has two important roles to play in your life. The preservation of your faith and the fervency of revival. In the book of Acts, there were several occasions where God did something and it says that they were all consumed with fear. And then the very next thing that happened was supernatural outbreak. One that we do not like to preach at all, Ananias and Sapphira. Anybody remember that passage? That's the one you wanna preach right before you take up an offering. You always get a better offering when you preach Ananias and Sapphira before the offering. You know the story? Maybe you don't know the story. There was a man named Barnabas who sold a piece of property and gave all of it to the church. And they acknowledged him as a man of God for doing that. He got got attention, even though he didn't want it, because of his act of generosity. Some others in the church saw the attention that he got and they said, oh, that looks good. I think we'll take some of that attention. And they went and sold their piece of property and said, we're gonna give all of it to the church, like Barnabas did, but secretly, They had a conversation and made the decision, even though we're saying we're doing one thing, we're actually not gonna do that. We're gonna keep some for ourselves. And they brought what was left to the feet of the apostles and God gave Peter a word of knowledge and he knew exactly what, he, he read their mail and he called them out on it. And as he was calling them out on it, the fear of the Lord strikes Ananias and he falls dead. And it says all who saw it were seized with great fear. Rightfully so. Yes? Yes. Then they went and get Sapphira. They said, is this true? Yes, it's true. She's struck with fear. She falls out dead. And it says again that they're struck with fear. If you look at the very next passage, it says that after they were all struck with great fear, they left And they lined the streets, and the shadow of Peter was healing the sick. We have seized with fear, followed by an increase in supernatural activity in the book of Acts. Where there is no fear, there is a strong likelihood of backsliding and falling away from God. Strong likelihood. Where there is no fear, there's a strong likelihood of moves of God being short-lived. Sparkler revivals, where there is no fear. Where there is no fear of the Lord, there is a strong likelihood that the enemy will still kill, and destroy the gifts that God has freely given. The fear of the Lord is a gift of God that offers Christians the ability to come closer, deeper, and nearer to God himself. The fear of the Lord is a gift to the body in order to go from glory to glory to glory. Where there is no fear, there is an open door for the enemy to steal. In recent movements throughout church history and American history, we've seen the pendulum swing in the holiness movement sparked a great awakening. And the focus was the fear of the Lord, the holiness of God that should result in the holiness of people. And I believe in that. I believe in holiness. I truly do. I I believe that where there is salvation, there will be sanctification. Where there is salvation, there will be a pursuit of righteousness. Where there is salvation, there will be dying to sin. Some may be quicker than others. Some have radical sovereign moments and some for some it takes some time but where there is salvation there is at least progress holiness is the fruit of one who has received the blood of Jesus Christ in their life Jesus doesn't save people to remain in defeat there's a saying going around right now that just drives me nuts it's okay to not be okay It's okay to not be okay. I get, I get what it's saying. I get what it's saying. But I would add to it this. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. But in the holiness movement, what happened is it turned into legalism. It turned into Christian performance and Christian behavior. And all it really did, because of the absence of the kindness of God, is it just taught, It taught Christians how to lie really well and how to judge others. And we had a whole generation that grew up in this holiness movement, the bad part of it, that saw their parents saying one thing and living in a completely different way. And they didn't want to have anything to do in church. Their fathers who were deacons, their fathers who were pastors, their mothers who were choir directors, you know, telling them one thing, telling you to pretty up, put you on your smiley face, come to church, pay attention... And then behind closed doors, they were beating each other. They were yelling. They were screaming. They were abusive. And we have a whole generation that, that were produced from that mo- movement that didn't want anything to do with church. They were called hippies. And they came out of that wanting love. They wanted joy. They wanted peace. They wanted all of the right things, but they were looking in the wrong places. Has anybody seen Jesus' Revolution, the new movie yet? It, it just—I think I think the timing's perfect, by the way. Because I think God wants to do it again. But then we swung the pendulum all the way from holiness, severity, fear of God, to kindness. And love. And God just wants to be your lover. Okay, yes. But the problem is God just became another lover. And they didn't get rid of their other lovers He was just an additional lover in their life. And all the other lovers didn't die. Because we were scared to talk about holiness. We were scared to talk about, but why? Because we feared that what happened the first time might happen again. So we've got to be seeker sensitive. We've got to be light on this. We can't talk about everything that's in the book in public. That's for small groups. We can't talk about the hard stuff in here because people might leave. So we swung the pendulum, and we've been riding that pendulum for quite some time now. But I think God is trying to bring back to the middle, in a good way, the kindness and the severity of God. People who understand, oh, he is good. He is, he is gooder, come on, Alabama, he's gooder. Than anybody you know, that anybody that's ever existed, his goodness, we, again, we could talk about it forever. I love his goodness, but there is a reverence and an awe and a fear, holy fear, that if not in your life, will not produce longevity. And so I believe with all of my heart that the next generation of revival that exceeds and goes to the next level is gonna going to embrace this severity. It's gonna embrace this fear of the Lord. Not again, when I say fear, I don't mean scared. I'm not scared of my father. But I have a reverent awe and a reverent, a reverent awe that produces a reverent submission. If reverent awe, listen it's one, don't think that you have fear of God just because you stand in awe. Reverent awe produces radical obedience. Now obedience, not I'm thinking about it. Like I hear testimonies of people saying, yeah, God's been working on this with me for a few months now. Ha, 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 ha. You're gloating in the absence of the fear of the Lord in your life. Oh, it took me a while to come around. (laughs) It took me a while to be obedient. (laughs) Don't say that out loud. If God were standing right in front of you and says, I want you to do that right now. Well, it's going to take me a while. I need to think about it. I need to weigh... Yeah, you do. You do need to weigh. You need to weigh what your maybe means to him. You need to weigh what what is your not now? What does that mean? The first church knew of his love, they saw it firsthand. But they didn't take that love for granted. They didn't take the kindness of God for granted to excuse, to excuse their disobedience, to excuse their sin. And I think right now there's a large portion of the body of Christ that's taking his love for granted. He'll always forgive me. If you wake up thinking about sin and planning your sin, you fear not God. So manifestations of those who do not fear the Lord. I'll give you a few. Because I think that there's opportunities for all of us. And don't take this, I mean, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here because every time I come here, I feel the reverence of the Lord. There's a reverence of the Lord in this place. There's an awe of God in this place. You reverence the Lord here. And it's one of the reasons that this is happening. So when the Lord gave me this message, I was like, I don't know, this just doesn't sound like they need this. But he's like, oh, no, 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 no. There are different levels of fear of the Lord. And they can graduate. They can get a promotion. I wanna give them a promotion. I heard the Lord say that this week. I wanna give Dawsonville a promotion. They can take this reverence to a new level. They can take this reverence to a level unlike the world has ever seen before. So I wanna show you some, the opposites in order to show you the rights if that makes sense. Manifestations of those who do not fear the Lord. Number one, they lack honor and reverence toward God himself. Psalm 89, seven says, God is greatly to be feared, look at this, in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. He is to be greatly feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. You'll never find God in an atmosphere where he is not honored, respected, and reverenced. I recently went to another nation and I had high expectations because I heard that the worship there was just off the charts. If this was a place, if you wanted to see a passionate Worshiping people. This is is one of the areas of the world that you wanna go to. So I had high expectation. I expected the tangible presence of the Lord similar to this, if not completely different. But when I arrived, I was surprised. Worship started and the room felt dead. You ever been there? I've been there. I was like, So excited, and then, Lord, where are you? God, where are you? And I started looking around, because if you're in the front row, you kind of have to see what's going on behind you. I do that on Sunday. You do that on Sunday, Pastor Todd? You know, see what's going on behind you. Is everybody engaged? Are we all moving in the same direction? Hallelujah, you know? And I turned around, and I saw a lot of this. So a lot of this. I'll see you in a minute. Okay. God said, what do you see? I see a worship team pouring their heart out. And I see a bunch of people who don't care. They just don't care. He says, is it shocking that I'm not there? No, he said, where I am not reverenced, I will not come. On the flip side of that, I recently walked into a place in Asia, and before I got into the room, they say, take off your shoes. I thought it was cultural. He oh, we take off our shoes here? He said, not everywhere, but in this room you will. Take off your shoes. Yes, I will. And when I walked into the room, there were people on their face. Service hadn't started yet. Very similar to what happens here at five. People on their face, people crying out to God. The worship team didn't have to awaken the people. The people had already started. And the worship team just joined in. They didn't need a warm-up song. You know, in America, we need that warm-up song, the clappy-clap song. Let's get the blood flowing. Yay, Jesus is amazing. Because we've got to try to convince people that he is. They don't know it. And so I walked into this room, completely different. Half the crowd, not a lot of people. But as soon as the worship began, God stepped into the room. It was tangible. You could feel it like you would have to be dead not to feel it. Every hair on my head stood up. It's like, oh, you like this place. He says, I am reverenced here. They take me serious. Isaiah 11, verse 2, it's talking about Jesus. says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and his roots a branch will bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. This is the only one that's given commentary and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. It doesn't say that he will delight in counsel, might, knowledge, understanding, wisdom. It says he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Speaking of Jesus, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 says, Jesus in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, and vehement cries and tears to him who is able to save him from death, He was heard because of his godly fear. God listened to, the Father listened to him because of his godly fear. Jesus in the flesh, taking on flesh, took seriously the reverence of God. And God heard him because he was reverent. Are you seeing this? He offered up a lot of prayers. He offered up a lot of cries. His emotions were involved in Gethsemane. He prayed so hard that he bled. But God didn't listen to him because he bled. He didn't listen to him because he cried out. He didn't listen to him because he sang. He didn't listen to him because he raised his hands. He didn't listen to him because he came to church. He didn't listen to him because he taught Sunday school. He didn't listen to him because he read his Bible that morning. He didn't listen to him because he listened to Bethel on the way to church. He listened to him because he reverenced he feared the Lord. You can do all the stuff and make a lot of noise and not fear God. Now we don't need to take this to an unhealthy place because again that's happened before. I don't think there should be required dress codes certain things that we do like I like do you hear what I'm saying? but I think a good starting place as it pertains to worship. How do we reverence the Lord in worship? Do I have to reverence like Todd references or like Karen references or like the guy, where's my, where's my brother that jumps? Where's he at? Praise God. Do I have to, to reverence like that? No, where's the starting place? It's not mimicking what others do. What's the starting place? Well, just imagine yourself in the presence of God in the throne room. What would you do if you walked into the throne room? What would you do if you walked in right now and you saw him seated on his throne? What's up? Would you take a phone call? Would you send a text? You might dance, you might sing, you might yell, you might fall, you might bow, you might cry. Just give him your body. You know what keeps him from giving him your body in worship? Paul's already addressed it, pride. You're thinking about others and you're thinking about yourself and you're not thinking about the king who is seated on the throne. It's a mystery of the Lord. Fear of the Lord that should produce reverence in the Lord. Another manifestation of those who do not fear God is you use God's name in vain. I'm not talking about cussing. That's not, don't do that anyway. Exodus chapter 20, verse seven says, you shall not misuse, misuse. Will you you take note of that? Do we have the scriptures? You will not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name. Misuse, misuse. Now again, personal preference, I don't think you should say, oh my God, unless you're talking to him. You should not use his name, Unless you are speaking to him, we get too loose with our lips. I mean, I don't go around saying, Oh, my Matt. My wife's name said, Oh, my Stevie. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Like his name, his name was so reverenced by his people that they wouldn't even spell it. And we use it loosely or we shouldn't definitely not attach an explicative to his name. I was playing golf about five years ago, Guy from church, he let wind fly. And he turned around, he was so embarrassed. He said, Pastor, I am so sorry. He said, don't apologize to me. My name ain't God. You didn't cuss me, you cussed him. Y'all need to talk. (laughs) Keep me out of it. And you're riding in that golf cart for the rest of the day. <laughs> I see a cloud a-brewing. So when I say don't take the Lord's name in vain, I think this is a more mature crowd. Let's take it a little bit beyond this. The Lord really spoke to me on this this week. He says you need to be careful about using God's name for selfish gain. I mean, we're in a, we're in a culture now where it's profitable to use God's name. Blogs, podcasts, books, for those who do it vocationally, we all have to be careful on that to make sure that we're writing something, we're posting something, we're producing something that's not leveraging God to get something that we want. That could be the form of more people, that could be the form of more money, that could be the form, so there is a vocational caution here that's on leaders. Like make sure your heart's pure when you use my name. And if you don't know, you should probably discuss it with me. But as as it pertains to everyone, be careful when you say God gave me a vision or I had a dream or God spoke to me and told me to tell you this. God says this is okay. Mm. Sometimes I call people out on it. And I'll say, you had a dream. Tell me the dream. Well, I don't know if it was really a dream. Maybe it's like a daydream. Okay, tell me it was in the daydream. Well, maybe it wasn't a daydream. Maybe it was a vision. What did you see? Well, maybe it wasn't a vision. Maybe I had a thought. Okay, I'll go with that. Because God can use your thoughts impressions. Let's start there instead of trying to get uber holy and use God's name in order to leverage authority or, or to make yourself look more. <laughs> especially in the charismatic world, this is, gets kind of weird. Everybody's dreaming. Well, everybody says well, we'll dream, dream and have visions. But just be careful when you use his name. You know, in my house, i got five kids. I'm Pastor Matt, Methodist, who has five kids. That's crazy. I don't know if that was me or not. If it was, my niece feel great. (laughs) Yeah. But in my house, you know, there's a bunch of kids running around. And if I tell one of them, I could tell your sibling to clean their room. If they go down there and say, hey, clean your room, there's going to be a fight. yes. But if they go down, if they have wisdom, they'll go down there and say, dad just told me to tell you to clean the room. Okay, my name carries weight in the house currently. Now, that's being challenged. (laughs) And we're trying to establish the fear of daddy in the house. All right, all right, guys. But because his name carries so much weight, you will be tempted to abuse it. So just be careful. Be careful. False prophecy is not just bad preaching. Anytime we misuse or abuse God's word to lead people in a direction of our desire, it's not just false prophecy, it's manipulation and witchcraft. His name is to be reverenced. Reverenced. And if you're not sure about something, and if you're not solidly sure about something, there's, listen, it's not a lack of faith to say something like this. I think God may have spoken something to me. I'm not sure. But I feel strongly that this may be the Lord. But I'm going to ask you to test this word that I'm about to give you, to pray on this. Listen, you're not back and It's not like you're, like, I was just, Dr. Randy Clark was at our place this weekend. Y'all know Dr. Randy Clark? He was at our church this weekend. And listen, such a, such a powerful anointing on him when he hears. we had 67 people healed last night. 67 miraculous healings just happened right in front of us. Anyway, but even, even, he's been walking with the Lord and doing this for 40 years, and he still releases words of knowledge like this. I don't know if this is God or not, but I have a strong impression that somebody is here That has a left ankle problem. May not be God. But it might be. You know. Whereas others might say. I hear the Lord saying right now. There's a person out there. With a left ankle problem. And you got a blue left tooth. And you are blah 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 blah. Just be careful. There's not. Listen. If. You're not lacking faith by taking caution with the name of God. Matter of fact, he'll probably back you up even more if you just add some reverence. So don't misuse his name. Don't misuse his name. The last is people, manifestation of people who don't fear the Lord is you tolerate sin. You tolerate sin. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Look at that. Let us cleanse ourselves. Now, it's God that's going to do it, but you have to put forth effort. Listen, don't expect to get into this baptistry, get delivered by the Lord, and everything just be okay. Like, the devil's going to come after you. He's going to tempt you again. He's going to come after Listen, his only hope is to re-snag you. So, it takes your cooperation and your participation in the removal of sin. So, let's cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion. How? In the fear of God. In the fear of God. You can't like sin and fear God, you can't enjoy sin. And fear God. You can't be entertained by sin. And fear God. I don't know how some Christians sit through the entertainment that they're sitting through. How can you sit there and watch sexual immorality, filth, and garbage? The stuff that Jesus had to die for and eat popcorn. If God were in the room, would you be eating popcorn? Watching garbage? Why do you do that? You don't fear God. You don't fear God. You can't have sex with people who aren't your spouse and fear God. You can't have premarital sex and fear God. I don't care if 90% of culture is doing it. You can't do that and fear God. You can't do drugs and fear God. You can't be addicted to porn and fear God. If you believe you can, you've been deceived. Well, I don't think I've been deceived. No one who is being deceived knows they're being deceived. (laughs) It's like the definition. Nobody's walking down the street going, I think I'm being deceived. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Yes. 2 Timothy 4 three says, In the last days people will reject sound doctrine and instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around teachers who will say whatever their ears want to hear. You can be homosexual and love the Lord. Maybe. But you can't be homosexual and fear God. It's okay to be okay. God will take you you just as you are. He'll save you just as you are. He'll save you just as you are. And then he's going to take you by a hand and he's going to say, let's go on a journey. And on this journey, I'm going to press up on you. I'm going to press against some of your desires. I'm going to press against and I need you to trust me. I need you to trust in my kindness. I need you to trust in my goodness. But I also need you to be aware of my severity. We often pretend like we're not going to be held accountable. Like we're not gonna stand before God one day. Like we're not gonna talk about these things. This is not a game where everyone gets a trophy. He must be taken seriously. Sin must be taken seriously. Lives are at stake. If not yours, Maybe your children. If you're painting a picture of Christianity that is confusing to them, they may take a left turn. If you're painting a picture of Christianity as something that's watered down and God is not to be reverenced and God is not to be taken seriously and sin is not to be taken seriously, your your children's lives are at stake. Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. All right. So what is the manifestation of those who fear God? This is really a simple answer. They love what God loves, and they hate what God hates. It's really simple. They love what God loves, and they hate what God hates. In the hate category, that does not include people. I don't think that you can treat people like garbage and fear God. People, James talks about this. You, you can't talk negatively, you can't be a jerk, you, you can't gossip about, you, you can't treat people who are made in God's image like garbage and fear God. So you love what God loves and that includes people. And you hate what God hates and that includes sin, That includes injustice. That includes unrighteousness. That includes everything in the demonic realm. That includes spirits that are trying to sabotage and trip me up. You love what God loves and you hate what God hates. And you obey. You listen to his voice. And when you hear the Lord, you don't commit to praying about it. The purpose of praying is to hear the voice of God. So if God tells you something, there's no need to pray about it. Just do it. (laughs) You know, again, I mean, how how does that work in parenting? Hey, I need you to do this for me. Uh, I'll go pray about it. Yeah. No. (laughs) You will go do it. (laughs) Or I'm gonna take you to Dawson and you will hold you under the water, all right? And we're gonna get that thing out. Whatever that thing is, we're gonna get it out. In Jesus' name, amen, everybody? All right, I want you to stand up. We're gonna do something a little unique right before we get into the water. Don't deck out on me. This is probably the most, if you fear the Lord, you won't leave. I'm serious, this is the most important part. I'm about to ask the spirit of the fear of the Lord to come into the room. And I think it's gonna demand a response on your part. It may not require movement. But the reason that I'm going to do this is because when the fear of the Lord steps into the room, it often brings to our attention things within ourself, things within our thought process, things within our conscience that either need adjustment or need to be removed. So I just want to take a few seconds and I want to ask that spirit that Jesus loved, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, walk into the room. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your holy word. And I ask that you send into this room right now, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The Lord offers a divine invitation tonight. I feel strongly that the Lord wants you to all know that he's not mad, he's not disappointed, but he is offering more to pull you out of that place that you currently are and into a new place, a new place of intimacy, a new place of presence, A new place of joy, repentance, and sacrifice always leads to fire falling. Wherever there is a sacrifice, there is fire that falls. And I think in the waters tonight, you'll have the opportunity for some, honestly, to get saved. To get saved. You didn't know the Lord when you walked in here. You didn't live a life that had fruit of loving Jesus and fearing God and you're gonna get saved tonight and you shouldn't be embarrassed. You should be so happy. <laughs> you should be so happy. For some, you're gonna get delivered tonight. You're gonna make the decision to repent and you're gonna get delivered. Maybe of one of the most critical life-threatening spirits, the spirit of pride. You're going to get delivered. A lot of you are going to get delivered from sin. You'll have to fight. But the Lord is going to meet you in the water. He always comes to those who reverence Him. He reverence Him.
1: A secret place
2: Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Have mercy on us, oh God. Have mercy on us. Thank you, Lord.
1: Jesus oh Lord Jesus oh God please
2: there's such an awe of his presence right us to get this right. God, help us to get this right. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What a night. At. thank you, Joni. Did the Lord just give you that song? Yeah, that's a revival song. Birth in a moment of his of his encounter. Here's how we're going to do this. Randy, if you'll come, or Vince or whoever's supposed to be here. I'm going to call for letter A to get into the waters tonight, and we're going to move as quietly and softly as we can. Up these steps and come all the way to the back, if you will. Call in here. I'll take care of you. Our team's ready to serve you. Can you sing that again? So if you have letter A, I want you to come. Come quietly and quickly. Letter A. Grab your things and come. My altar team, would you come and stand here at the front if you're on our altar team? All of you that are available, all of our altar team, if you can come. Come quickly, please. Spread across the front. Our altar team's here to minister, to pray for, to get... In agreement with what the lord would love to do in your life we want to ask you to come and let them pray for you you may want to just bypass them and come strictly to the altar and just kneel if you would like altar team if you'll come quickly Lift your hands all across the room right now. Would you lift your hands high? Joni, sing this to the Lord one more time. Sing it to the Lord. Keep worshiping the Lord right now. He's not done. And we will you in your tabernacle. Come on, if you need prayer, come. If you need a quiet place, come. be the lord come on keep singing keep worshiping the lord